2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 14 through 17. Let me read that and then we'll uh, pray and dive into God's Word this morning. This is Paul's letter to Timothy. Uh, but as for you, uh, writing to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's uh, let's pray together this morning. Lord, we are so grateful uh, for the sunshine today. Uh, we're grateful for the opportunity to uh, gather together and uh, and worship you. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the, the privilege of uh, being a part of the, the body of Christ. And thank you that we can uh, pray for one another and encourage one another through life's journey. Uh, this morning, we uh, pray for our nation. Uh, Lord, we pray for our leaders, uh, for President Biden, uh, for Vice President Harris, for our state leaders, uh, Lord, for our local leaders, and we pray for our community, and we pray for uh, our school system and the school board, and we pray for our superintendent, Brad Bezo, uh, Lord, navigating through challenging times, and so we pray your strength and wisdom for him and uh, our school system. And Lord, many others in our church congregation that have uh, physical needs, Lord, we lift them up to you, and we pray your blessing and strength on all of them. And we give you all the praise and all that you will do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we have been uh, looking at Second Timothy, the book of Second Timothy. We probably have two or three uh, more messages in Second Timothy. We've entitled this, uh, Timeless Truths in Troubled Times. And so just a little review and a little background here. Uh, this is Paul's last letter. Uh, this is his, uh, his, his final um, words to Timothy. It's written from a prison in Rome, in, in the Mamertine prison. Uh, that prison was a, a holding cell for those who were soon to be executed. And so this is Paul's last will and testament to his son in the faith, Timothy. Timothy's pastoring in Ephesus, and he's facing some challenging times. Uh, he's facing uh, the fact that some false teachers were, were trying to infiltrate their way into the church. He's also facing some intense persecution. Nero's on the throne, and Rome has burned, and Nero's looking for a scapegoat, and he blames uh, Christians. And so the uh, the intensity of persecution is being ramped up on unbelievers in that day. Timothy's also facing a challenge because he knows that his friend, his father in the faith, uh, the one who's mentored him and discipled him, the Apostle Paul, is about to die. And he's going to lose a very significant person in his life. And so Paul writes this letter to him to uh, to encourage him and uh, to encourage Timothy to keep on. And so just, uh, again, by way of review, the, we looked at chapter 1 and Paul says to Timothy, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged because, number one, you're loved by God. If there's nothing else that we grasp this morning, it's to understand how much God loves us. And if there's any doubt, we just look at the cross that's behind me. 
Timothy, you're loved. You're loved by God. You're loved by the Apostle Paul. You're loved by your family. You have a, a grandmother and a mother who, who poured their life into you. Timothy, be encouraged because you're loved. And Timothy, you're gifted and you're called. And I want you to use that gift there as you minister in Ephesus. And then we looked at chapter 2 and Paul encourages Timothy to stay focused. Uh, stay focused on the source of your strength, which is God's sustaining grace. And Paul writes about that to the Corinthians out of a personal experience. Paul uh, praying and asking God to remove the thorn in the flesh in his life. And he says, I asked God three times and God said, no, but I'll give you my grace, which is sufficient for you. And so we said, God will either erase our pain and take it away or God will grace our pain. And he said to, 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 to the Apostle Paul, uh, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so, Timothy, rely on that that sustaining grace of God. And Timothy, don't forget to focus on investing in the lives of faithful people who will be able to what pass on God's truth to others. Thirdly, we looked at the rest of chapter 2 and where the Apostle Paul tells Timothy to remember Jesus. And it's not uh, past remembrance, it's present remembrance. Keep on remembering Jesus. Remember that he's alive, that he was raised from the dead. What separates Christianity from every other world religion is Jesus is alive, the tomb is empty. We serve a risen Savior. He's alive. He's an ancestor of David. He's from royal lineage and he fulfills all those messianic prophecies that says the Savior, the Messiah, will come through the lineage of David. Don't forget, Timothy, that even though I'm in prison, even though I'm in chains, even though I am bound, the Word of God is not bound. And, uh, Timothy, I want you to keep on preaching God's Word. Well, uh, last week we looked then at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, where Paul gave to Timothy some reminders, and he says, keep on reminding God's people. Um, and we looked at four things to avoid and then four things to pursue that uh, Paul gave to Timothy. And one of them was God's approval. Second uh, Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. And so we, we talked about um, God's approval uh, and how we need to seek that. Well, that brings us to our, our uh, chapter 3, and that's where we're going to be this morning just for a few minutes. Second Timothy chapter 3, and Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I want you to be aware of the culture and the times in which you live. Be aware of the culture and the times in which you live. Uh, let's look at verse 1. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes, but mark this. Uh, the word mark is really the word gnosko. He's really saying, Timothy, I want you to know something. I want you to be informed about something. And here's what he, he begins with a kind of an overarching summary statement. There will be terrible times in the last days. Now we're going to read through this passage and quite frankly, it's a little bit of a discouraging passage as you read through how Paul describes life in the last days. You might say, well, hey pastor, I came to church to be encouraged, not discouraged. And 
we're going to eventually look at the, the, the second part of this and think about three resources that God has given us to be encouraged in these difficult days. But here's what Paul tells Timothy. There will be terrible times in the last days. Some of your translations say perilous times. Life is going to be difficult in the last days. And Paul goes on to characterize what that life is like. Now we need to understand this phrase, the last days. Sometimes in Scripture, that phrase is used to describe the very last period of human history. We go to the book of Revelation and chapter 4 through 19 describes the tribulation period and God's pouring out of wrath on planet earth through three series of seven judgments. And, and sometimes the last days refers to that time period. Sometimes the last days in the scripture refers to a broader time period of the church age. And sometimes it's referred to as uh, the last period of God working in human history, uh, the church age. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, the author of Hebrews uh, refers to the last days in, in uh, this way, in times past, Hebrews 1.1, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he's spoken to us by his son. So the author of Hebrews characterizes the last days as the church age, as, as, as Christ coming, and, and so in this context, I think the last days is referring to the church age. And Paul tells Timothy, hey, in that last season of, of the church age, life is going to be difficult. And he goes on to describe what that life characterization is like. He gives us 18 characterizations. And we're just going to read through it, and it can be a little bit depressing, but this is the world that we live in. These 18 phrases describe life apart from God. This is what life likes, uh, looks like when humanity is unredeemed. And so here's, uh, here's the characterization. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy, people will be lovers of themselves. Life in the last days is going to be all about me, all about loving self. Now, do we need to have a healthy self-image made in the image of God? Great value, great wealth, a worth? Yes. But we need to keep that in balance and uh, not get carried away with um, life's all about me and all about uh, self-care. And, and uh, the call of Christianity is the call of, what, self-denial. It's the call of sacrifice. It's the call of serv- service to others. Uh, it's being a, a servant, a bond slave, a doulos to Christ. Paul says, life in the last days, people will love themselves. They'll be lovers of money. They'll be boastful, proud, abusive, rampant in our day today. Physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. I hope you're not depressed yet. But this is, this is the characterization. Treacherous, rash, conceited, 
lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure more than... That describes our culture today. Uh, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. If you want to read a, a parallel passage to uh, those 18 characterizations of life apart from God, it's, uh, you read Romans chapter 1. Verses 28 through 31, and, and, and Paul gives a very similar description in his letter to the Romans about what happens when people reject God, and it says God gave them over, God gave them over, God gave them over to their own pursuits, and it's this description of life apart from God. Well, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, I want you to be aware of your culture, that life in the last days is going to be very, very difficult but then Paul gives Timothy a command, and it's at the end of verse 5. He gives Timothy these instructions. Have nothing to do with such people. <laughs> Timothy, stay away from those kinds of people. Yes, we can, we can pray for them, but Timothy, I don't want you to have anything to do with such people. Paul gives a similar warning in Romans chapter 16, verse 17, about people who are divisive within the church. Romans 16, 17, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. That would include false teachers. Stay away from them. Don't have anything to do with them. Timothy, have nothing to do with these kind of people. I heard uh, this summer uh, Crawford Loritz, who was a pastor at a large church in Atlanta, and he was preaching on 2 Timothy, and um, he, made, he made this statement, and I think there's some truth to it. He said this, Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. And he was talking about how very, very important it is for us as believers to uh, have the right kind of influences and friends in our lives. Well, in verses 6 through 9, and we're not going to, don't have time to really um, jump into 6 through 9, where, where Paul gives Timothy some instructions about some the false teachers that are trying to infiltrate the church at Ephesus. But this morning we want to focus on uh, the last part of, of 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 16, and it's the charge to Timothy and, and to us. So what are some things that we can grab onto that will help us survive and thrive in a culture like we described? Because those 18 characterizations from the first few verses of 2 Timothy 3 uh, characterize our culture as well. And so well, what's the charge to Timothy and the charge to us? Three God-given resources that Timothy needed and you and I need today to survive and thrive in a godless, changing culture. And here's the first one. It's God's people. God's people. Look at verse 10. You, Timothy, however... You know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, and sufferings. 
What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Paul says to Timothy, hey Timothy, you know me. We've spent time together. We've spent years together on missionary trips and missionary journeys. We've ministered together. You not only know my conduct, but you know my character, as Paul lays it out here in verse 10. You've seen my way of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, how he stood firm for the sake of the gospel through times of suffering and persecution. Acts chapter 13 and 14 uh, relate the troubles that Paul faced in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. In Lystra, after he preached the gospel, people were so mad, they took up stones and they they stoned the Apostle Paul, left them for dead. And Paul uh, uh, had some people that came and encouraged them and helped them, and um, you would think that would have discouraged Paul, and Paul kept right on going in his his call of sharing the gospel. Timothy, you've, you've seen that. And Timothy, I want you to, to continue on. I want you to be resilient. What are the resources we need to survive changing, difficult, godless times? We need God's people. And we need some mentors. And we need some people that we can uh, look up to in our life that may be a little further down the way in their spiritual journey who will be mentors and, and disciple us and to help us along the way. As I look back in my life, and I've mentioned this before, I can look at uh, four men that significantly impacted my spiritual journey, my spiritual walk. Two of them today are in heaven, and two of them are still around. One's, one, obviously, is my dad, who uh, served in the ministry for 60 years and, and was a tremendous godly example and role model for me. Uh, the second one was a fellow by the name of Tom Ladd. He was a, he was a youth leader in our church and, uh, and, uh, took me under his wings and poured his life into me. The third one was a soccer coach and a Bible teacher. His name was David Graham. The fourth one was a fellow by the name of Louis Kanapka. I met Louis in seminary. He is a little bit older than I, than I was and he had been in the ministry and then came back for more training and, um, Spent four years uh, in a very close relationship with a fellow by the name of Louis Kanapka. And those men impacted and molded my life. And if you've had some individuals that have done that in your life, then the call of the gospel and the call of 2 Timothy 2.2 is what? Then we need to be in that role and invest our lives in the younger generation. Timothy, uh, the resource that you have to survive and thrive is God's people. Secondly, Timothy, you have another resource, and it's God's power. It's God's power. As Paul mentions his persecutions and sufferings and all the things that he experienced in this missionary journey, uh, notice that last phrase in verse 11. He says, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. God delivered me from all of that. God was my resource. He was my rescue. He was my deliverer. And notice the combination there in verse 11 where the Apostle Paul says, I endured them, but God delivered me. As Paul was was faithful, the word endure there means to bear under, to endure hardship. And so um, 
The second resource is the power of God in our life. And whatever difficulty and challenge we're facing, God is our rescuer. God is our deliverer. Psalm 34, 19. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. So whatever difficulty and challenge you're, you're facing, God's power has the power and the strength to deliver you. I love uh, Daniel chapter 3, and you know the story of uh, uh, the fellows that were in the fiery furnace there in, in uh, uh, the Babylonian Empire and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they would not bow down to the, the, the um, idol, the statue of Nebuchadnezzar were uh, getting ready to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And they stand before the king. And these are the words that they say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Oh, there's the resolve of a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, God's able to deliver us through this trial. But even if not, we're going to continue to serve him. The second resource that we have for thriving and surviving this godless culture is the power of God. He's able to rescue us. He's able to deliver us. The Lord delivers us from the penalty of sin. We're going to celebrate that in just a little bit when we observe the Lord's table. Uh, what he did for us on the cross. Romans chapter 8 verse 1, Therefore now there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. He's rescued us from the penalty of sin. The Lord delivers us from the power of sin. Romans chapter 6 verse 12, Paul writes to the Romans and he says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, but deliver but dedicate and offer yourselves to god you have the power through god's strength god's power to what have victory over sin and so god delivers us not only from the penalty of sin but the power of sin and his final deliverance is someday he's going to deliver us from the presence of sin that's our glorification uh, that day in heaven when there will be no more curse and there will be no more sin. So the second resource is, is God's power to deliver us through whatever we're facing. But there's a third and final resource that God uh, has given to um, Timothy for surviving in difficult times. It's not only God's people and God's power, but the third one is God's word. God's word. Look at it with me in verses 14 through 16. Uh, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. And we know from earlier in, in uh, First and Second Timothy uh, that the, uh, Timothy had a grandmother by the name of Lois and a mother by the name of Lo- Lois, Eunice, who poured their lives into young Timothy. Timothy, you have a legacy. You have a heritage. I want you to continue on in that. You know from whom you've learned it. Verse 15, and how from infancy 
You have known the Holy Scriptures. So here's the three benefits of, of God's Word. Uh, from, from infancy, the word there is brephos. It means a little tiny baby. Timothy, you've known God's Word. Uh, how, how soon should you begin teaching your children God's truth? It should be done from the very beginning. Uh, from an infant, from, from a babe. And, and Timothy had that privilege from a grandmother Lois and a mother Eunice. And what's the benefit of that? From infancy, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So here's the first, uh, the first benefit of God's Word. It leads us to salvation. That's the, that's the whole purpose of the Bible. It's all about Jesus. It's all about salvation. It's all about being rescued from the penalty of sin. I hope you're familiar with what's called the Romans Road in Scripture. I remember as a, as a teenager um, writing these down in my Bible uh, so uh, I could remember uh, what this Romans Road was like. And the first uh, verse in the Romans Road of Salvation is Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, there are none righteous, no, not one. Uh, all of us are sinners. And right next to Romans 3.10, in my margin, I wrote Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We're all in need of a Savior. Next to Romans 3.23, in the margin, I, would, I wrote Romans 5.8. But God commended His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Next to Romans 5.8, I would write, in the margin, Romans chapter 6, verse uh, 23. Romans six twenty-three: For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And right next to the margin in Romans chapter 6, 23, I wrote Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It's called the Romans Road. And you can easily uh, walk through with somebody uh, God's plan of salvation. Uh, and Paul writes to Timothy and he says, The Scriptures are able to make you wise, wise for salvation. But there's a second benefit of God's Word in Difficult times. It's not only salvation, but it's uh, it's sanctification. Uh, back to verse sixteen, Second Timothy three. All Scripture is God breathed. Uh, all Scripture is is God breathed. It's it's holy. It's inspired. It's the very Word of God, and it is useful for teaching. That's doctrine. Rebuking, correcting. And training in righteousness. And so God's word not only has the benefit of leading us to salvation, but that's just the beginning. God's word then, as we're uh, reading God's word and studying God's word and hearing God's word, is going to lead us on the pathway of what? Sanctification, of, of growing in Christ. As Second Peter First uh, Peter two two like newborn babes crave spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. 
And notice the, the phrases here that the Apostle Paul uses to describe God's Word. It's, it's, it's useful for teaching, that's doctrine, correct doctrine, rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Someone has once said that the job of the preacher is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And when you faithfully preach God's Word, there should be some... Sometimes when we come out of church and we're stinging a little bit from what? From rebuke and correction. As God the Holy Spirit takes His Word and shows us, hey, we, we need, uh, we need some help here. We need a change of an attitude or a change of behavior. And so God's Word is beneficial, uh, for not only salvation, but for sanctification. Uh, the New Living Translation uh, paraphrases Second Timothy 3.15 this way, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Well, there's a third benefit then of this resource of God's word uh, for us in troubled times. It's not only to point us to salvation and uh, to put us on the correct path and, and to lead us to Christ-likeness, but it's uh, also for service. Verse 17, what is the ultimate purpose of sanctification and growing in Christ? Verse 17, so that the servant of God, some translations say the man of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the third benefit is it equips us to serve God. Someone has said that we are not saved by our good works. The Bible's very clear on that, that good works cannot save us, but we are saved to do good works. That's Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 10. And so often we just quote verses 8 and 9, but the Apostle Paul uh, drives this home for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. What? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so, uh, the third benefit of God's word is that as we read it and we study it, it, it challenges us and equips us, what? To, to serve him and to do good works that God has laid out for our lives. Someone has once said God's more interested in our availability than in our ability. And what he's looking for is simply uh, uh, willing hearts that will be willing to be used of God to serve Him. I'm so thankful that as... Uh, our nominating committee in preparation for our annual business meeting next Sunday. And we met and handed out some assignments as we prayed about, uh, as we do every year, filling positions that are vital for our church to function. Uh, I'm so grateful as I began to get the reports back that every person that was asked said, yes, I'm willing to serve. And what a blessing that is that uh, there are willing workers uh, to serve God uh, as God has called us to. 
Well, Paul writes to Timothy, and he's reminding Timothy of the culture in which he lives and we live. Timothy, you're living in challenging times, and we are as well. And Paul gives to Timothy three resources that he needs and you and I need if we're going to survive and thrive is God's people, and it's God's power, and it's the Word of God that will be the lamp unto our feet and the light to our path to navigate the challenging times in which we live. Let me encourage you to download those three resources, to, to be uh, connected to God's people, to, to, to access God's power in your life, and to be a person that's in the book that will lead you to salvation, that will show you how to become like Jesus, that will prepare you to serve him until Jesus comes. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful that while we live in uh, challenging times, while we live in an increasingly godless culture, Lord, we have some resources that you have given us to be able to survive and even thrive in the culture in which we live. And Lord, I'm so grateful for God's people. Lord, I'm grateful for uh, mentors in my life who poured their lives into my life. Lord, may we um, be conduits of your uh, power and grace in our life, and, and may we uh, now, if we've had that privilege, pour our lives into the lives of others. Lord, thank you for the power of God that's rescued us from the penalty of sin, that has the power to give us victory over sin in our daily life, and that someday will deliver us from the very presence of sin. What a day that will be when Jesus we will see face to face. And Lord, we thank you for uh, the, the resources of, of your word that point us to the cross, that point us to the Savior. Lord, that to show us how to be like Jesus and equip us to serve you. May we be faithful in reading, studying, and living out the Word of God. And we'll give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.